0: On this episode of Jeff does Vegas. the first time that I saw wrestling, I was actually on my paper route, believe it or not, and I was collecting money from one of my customers and I was in their home, and I saw on TV they were watching wrestling. And I was like, "What is this?" And you know they told, "Oh it's, it's WWF." And it just went from there. Las Vegas.
1: It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction, knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is Jeff Does Vegas. Welcome to episode number 147 of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I want to thank my guest from the last episode of the show, Joe Friday from the Evil Knievel Museum in Topeka, Kansas. I caught up with Joe at the Podcast Movement Evolutions Conference in Las Vegas, where he was prepping to release a brand new podcast all about the life and times of Evil Knievel, including his famed failed attempt to jump over the fountains at Caesar's Palace. Joe also shared some very cool Vegas-related Evil Knievel news with us. If you haven't listened as of yet, jump into the archives at JeffDoesVegas.com or search out episode number 146, Evil in the City of Sin. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The first ever WrestleMania was held at Madison Square Garden in New York City on March 31st, 1985. The brainchild of then-WWF owner Vince McMahon, WrestleMania played host to a little over 19,000 people at the Garden and was seen on closed-circuit television by over 1 million people across the United States. At the time it was the largest pay-per-view wrestling event ever in the years following WrestleMania went on to become the most successful and longest running professional wrestling event in history, even setting attendance records several times with crowds of well over 100,000 people cramming into venues to watch the shows. But that doesn't mean it was all good, which brings us to this episode of the podcast in 1993, Nine years after the first WrestleMania, the WWF decided to try their luck in Las Vegas, more specifically at Caesar's Palace. The plan was to hold the most opulent WrestleMania in history, complete with elephants, camels, Roman gladiators, and even an appearance from Cleopatra and Julius Caesar himself. But despite all that, WrestleMania 9 is often regarded as the worst WrestleMania in history. Why? Well, my guest is here to help us break down all the reasons. Mark Hoke is the host of The Mark Hoke Show, the number one rated professional wrestling radio show in Las Vegas, heard every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on KDWN 101.5 FM. Mark and I talked about what initially piqued his interest in pro wrestling, some of the live events he's attended throughout his fandom, and some of his favorite wrestlers and eras throughout his years of watching. And as WrestleMania 9 gets set to celebrate its 30th anniversary, Mark and I went in-depth discussing everything from the choice of venue to Bobby the Brain Heenan's memorable entrance to what was behind the controversial ending. Please enjoy my conversation with Mark Hoke.
0: The first time that I saw wrestling... I was actually on my paper route believe it or not and i was collecting money from one of my customers and it was in their home and i saw on tv they were watching wrestling and i was like what is this and you know they told "Oh, it's it's wwf i'm like okay what channel is it on and it just went from there uh it's really been kind of a love affair for my whole life i i had a Wrestling, the superstar wrestling game. I don't know if you ever saw this, a dice game from back in the 80s, you know, started picking up Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And then my station realized that wrestling was a pretty good ratings draw for them. So then they picked up World Class. They picked up Mid Atlantic. Cable came out and, you know, got to see Florida. And then the AWA was on. And yeah. And I just kind of been an addict ever since.
1: It's funny how everybody kind of has that. Um, I think everybody who's a wrestling fan has that kind of um, that that moment in their lives. I know for me, I had a a, a great, great uncle uh, that we would go visit in the summertime. And he was, you know, at that point when I was a little kid and he was in his 80s and we would go there for for Saturday, Saturday lunch. And we could not get there before. Eleven o'clock because wrestling was on. Oh, that's Ten great. to eleven. Nice. <laughs> and if we showed up at ten fifty-five before Superstars was done, forget it. Yeah, that was that was a that was the cardinal sin in the family. So, uh, like yourself, I mean, I kind of had that love affair as a kid. I remember getting the the Superstars, the figures, the the big, the vinyl heavy figures that you could actually injure someone with. If oh yeah, you, if they you hit great. them with it, and, and 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 I mean, same thing. Saving up my allowance to buy WWF magazine and, and you know, just pouring over the pages and wanting to call the superstars line, but knowing my parents would murder me if yes. I spent money on it. <laughs> so <laughs> everybody, I think, has that, that moment of, of uh, of you know, when it, it all kind of hits for them. How many live events have you attended? I mean, do you even have a number? Do you even know? I probably couldn't
0: give you a number. Um, there was a while where I didn't go to too many live events, but when... When I was younger, the first one I went to, um, I was frequenting the Hershey Park Arena mm-hmm. in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And first one I went to, I saw Sergeant Slaughter, who I just had on my show about a week ago. Uh, but gosh, who all was there? Boy, it was Adrian Donison, Dick Murdoch, the Samoans. Jesse Ventura no shows, of course. He was supposed to wrestle Ivan Putski. <laughs> this was around I don't know if you remember this, but this was around the Ivan Putski, Jesse Ventura arm wrestling fiasco that happened. I do remember that, yeah. yeah. So right around that time, I think I got to see Moolah and Wendy Richter that night, and boy, it just went from there. But I've I've gone to a ton of different events and you know, I one great one at Baltimore. I was at the SmackDown where Zach Gowan got his leg ripped off. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually in that corner too and I just I saw Piper's face when he pulled the leg off and it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. First time I saw the the big show there too and if you've never been near the big show, you mm-hmm. don't know how big he really is. Yeah. He's a large, tall dude. Yeah. Really <laughs> large guy. And, you know, got to see Hogan that night. But I I saw Hogan against Big John Studd a while back. And, you know, and then now that I've been out here in Vegas, I've been getting to a lot of events. Uh, You know, Vegas has really become uh, a wrestling hotbed Mm. between all the indies. And WWE is now frequenting here a lot. They didn't really used to come here for a long time because it just was... More of a transient community, right? So it wasn't a big draw for them, but now they've been coming. Double or Nothing is here with AEW, so that's an amazing. weekend. What a blast I had that one! And now that I got to, I got to interview Tony Khan about a month ago, mm-hmm. and now that that happened, I cannot wait until this year's Double or Nothing because I think it's going to be a pretty sensational weekend for for
1: the show. So, wrestling fans are some of the most passionate people I've ever met. In my life and and it's always fun I mean I always tell people even if you're not a wrestling fan you should attend a pro wrestling event because you are gonna you are gonna see the most passionate people in the world I remember being at an event it was a buddy of mine and I and it was it was early 90s late 80s Winnipeg it, it's very fuzzy it was Winnipeg arena and it was a, a TV taping and I had won tickets off of a radio station and I remember being there, and there was an old lady about 20 rows back from my buddy and I at one point during the match, and she was in her 70s. And I heard her yell out, <laughs> rip his freaking head off. <laughs> and I, my buddy and I have never laughed so hard in our lives. Oh, that's great.
0: It, it's, it's funny you mentioned about going for the first time, because uh, other than doing the Mark Hoke show here on KDWN, I also produce SportsX Radio here with Ken Thompson. Mm-hmm. Ken is... 60 and he has never until last week been to a pro wrestling event I took him to the impact tapings uh, that were going on and Ken's just going nuts he was loving it yeah I'm four. hey jersey guy hey, just, I'm just looking at him like oh you're a wrestling virgin <laughs> but it's okay It was, and it was great because we worked together and now he sees the, the passion that you're mm. talking about Um, I was just at a Future Stars of Wrestling event at their facility. And there's this girl next to me with, it was probably about, like, 12 signs, screaming, saying things that I'm surprised her mother let her say. (laughs) Got got a dude over here, rather large gentleman with a, a family and, like, a baby in his arms screaming at wrestlers. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. But that's kind of the way it is, Mm -hmm. and you know, it's it's funny. I you know, I just had had Baby Doll on the show Mm -hmm. um, about uh, a month ago, and we were talking a little bit about the riot that happened at the Omni back when Rick turned on Dusty in the cage, and all the Horsemen were in the cage, and everybody was basically trying to kill them. Yeah. Uh, It's not quite that nuts anymore, Mm -hmm. but. The passion that everybody does have is still there and I and I think that you know when you tell a good story you have great characters and people you know people get pulled in it's it's like a you know it's like a live movie uh-huh. and you get to see all this happen in real time and and it's just amazing to watch and when it's done right Gosh, it just pulls you in. I mean, like, what's going on with the bloodline right now as an example. Mm-hmm. The the world is just captivated by this storyline right now. Or what just happened at uh, Double or Nothing mm-hmm. on Sunday night with MJF and Brian Danielson. One of the greatest matches I've ever seen. And the crowd was just eating it up. And I was watching in a movie theater with everybody who was there. We're just all going crazy in there, too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's... It's amazing what happens when you watch pro wrestling and and you really appreciate what everybody's doing in there and it it's just um, you can see I'm kind of I'm kind of grinning right now thinking about it. Yeah. It's, it's why I do a pro wrestling radio show mm-hmm. because I you know I was I was asked what kind of show you want to do and I'm, and said well you know I don't really want to do politics but I'm not sure. So we'll do something you love and there I am. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, so it kind of. It, it it
1: translates you know it really does it's funny that you mentioned about it telling a good story because i know you'd get people that would give you shit about watching wrestling how can you watch that and i look at them and i go okay well what do you watch well i watch whatever days of our lives okay well how can you watch that crap you know it's predetermined you know what's happening you know it's quote unquote not real how is that any different from what i'm watching except the guys that i'm watching are hitting each other over the head with chairs and cookie sheets and your people are pretending to be possessed by the devil
0: so (laughs) are you talking about the marlena storyline talking about oh my god i want i gotta admit i gotta admit when i was younger and then a little bit in college I did watch Days of Our Lives, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I got sucked in by the Marlena story. (laughs) I thought it was weird. I just thought Marlena was hot, but Deidre Hall is a beautiful woman.
1: Um, You talked a little bit about how you got into hosting a pro wrestling radio show and a pro pro wrestling podcast. Was it just a case of you were here and there, again, like you say, like, what kind of show do you want to do? I want to do this because it's something
0: I love. Yeah, I... I did a per, a uh, poker wrestling right, poker wrestling. Now that would be interesting. Uh, a <laughs> a <watch> poker. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna make some phone calls. Yeah. Um. I got it first though, but we'll we'll split. Uh, it. We'll uh, split. Give, it. We'll we'll do a split. Yeah. Um. But I used to do a poker radio show for a very long time, and I traveled all over North America doing that. And unfortunately, some personal stuff happened with my wife leaving, and I raised my daughter alone, and so i kind of had to step back from that and then i got pulled back into doing radio again mm-hmm. and i was at a, another i was actually at another station here in las vegas well i was act, actually on the station but a different company it was mm-hmm. a bizarre story that happened but like i said my program director you know i said look i you know i think i really want to get back on the air again and when he asked me you know well what do you want to do and i and You know, it's, we're a talk radio show or talk radio station. And I was just like, you know, I just don't want the pressure of doing the politics. And, um, you know, in sports, you know, Ken's already doing a sports show. You know, I, I, I want to do something, I want to do something different. And the program director, you know, a long time guy I'd known for 20 some years, said to me, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you love? What do you, what are you passionate about? Mm -hmm. And what, what's going to, draw people in that's not something that's being done here in las vegas and boom said you know what let's give this a shot let's do pro wrestling yeah and he absolutely loved the idea and then <laughs> unfortunately he, he got like throwing on a salary dump and the next pd comes in and i was like one week into my show yeah. and and i hadn't really known him that well he worked in the building but i didn't know him and he's, he's like so you're doing a pro wrestling show I'm like yeah He's kind of looking at me like, "Huh, okay," and I won him over in a couple of weeks because, you know, I just I I just enjoy it so much, and um, it's really turned into something pretty spectacular. The ratings have been great. Uh, people are, you know, it's on Sunday morning at eight o'clock Pacific time until ten, and people are tuning in. And it's, it's pretty amazing to me when I think about that, that, you know, just, you know, locally on the ratings, you see that, that people are willing to take the time to get up in the morning and turn on a pro wrestling show when they could be doing a million things. Yeah. You know, I, I laugh sometimes because when I beat Jesus in the ratings, it blows me away. Like, we, we've, we've actually, uh, you know, when, when the ratings come out and we, 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 you know, we're, we're, we hit the books. We're usually, we will pretty much every time we beat all the other talk radio stations in town, Yeah, which is, you know, and it's not a brag. It's just something I, I, it blows me away when I think about that, that it's a Sunday morning pro wrestling show. And here we are. Yeah, And, you know, we're, you know, now we just had, like I said, had a, you know, we've had, had some pretty good guests, Booker T, B, Brian Blair and some other ones, but Tony Khan came on the show, mm-hmm. um, about it's been about six weeks ago yeah and the interview went absolutely viral all over the planet and now my god it has been non-stop mm-hmm. which is exciting it, it is so much fun and i get to do something that i really am into and i can have fun with yeah um you know just had a great time with sergeant slaughter here this last weekend um and had him on the show and uh you yeah. know boyhood hero yeah got to meet him and you know and that's that's kind of one of the fun parts about this too is that i'm getting to talk to to people that i grew up watching or you know my daughter and i are watching on tv right now and you know, it's you know it's it's like a fantasy i mean my god I'm i'm getting to talk to people that i never in my life thought i'd get to talk to so it's a blast. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you, and you, by the way, just just so I get this in, we're on KDWN 101.5 FM in Las Vegas. You can go to KDWN.com or worldwide on the Odyssey app. That's right, kids. The Odyssey app. So, make sure you guys download that in Canada. We'll be watching. And
1: you're also, you you run the show as a podcast as well. That It does get released as a yeah. podcast each week
0: as well. Yeah. That is available at uh, most of your favorite podcast outlets. main one uh, that I have it on is MarkHokeShow.Podbean.com. Mm-hmm. But it's it's out there everywhere. Do you have a a, a favorite era of wrestling?
1: <sighs> or a favorite company? Are you are you more of a WWF guy versus WCW guy? Was Are you an Attitude Era fan?
0: Are you more oh, of the 80s, see, 90s stuff?
1: See, you're gonna or get or,
0: or a, a little of all of it? Um, when I first started, obviously I watched WWF. That was what was on TV. Yeah. And then I found the NWA. Mm-hmm. And watching getting to see rick flair and the four horsemen and and so on i really enjoyed that style of wrestling maybe a little bit better than the cartoony stuff in wwe but i was a huge hulk maniac. yeah so I, I more appreciated i think because i was an athlete i appreciated the athleticism and both mm-hmm. um i mean you put a gun to my head yeah. i don't know I, I don't think i could pick but then <laughs> uh but then Obviously, you get to the Monday Night Wars, mm. and being a Hulk Hogan fan, uh, man, the NWO was special. I mean i i had a Hulk I had a Hulkamania t shirt, and I probably hadn't bought another wrestling t shirt until an NWO t shirt. Yeah, um, you know that was an amazing time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I liked some of the stuff in the Attitude Era. Some of it I didn't, just because I thought it was a little bit cheesy at times. Mm-hmm. But you had some incredible talent there, too, and great matches. And I think that's what it always has come down to me is, you know, when I, do I get a good story? And when I watch, am I going to enjoy a match and get pulled into it? Yeah. And, you know, and and, and in that era, both companies did things that were great. Mm-hmm. And they both did stuff that I just wanted to say... Can I refund this time of my life? Right. (laughs) Please, for the love of God. You know, but I I think now we're in what's really a golden age of wrestling. Mm -hmm. I I really believe that. It's, yeah, I think WWE, as good as they are, as good as their performances are, creatively were really lacking. Yeah. And just, there just wasn't anything that would pull me in. Mm-hmm. so i wasn't consistently watching a lot of the programming you know i'll dvr it and zing through stuff and yeah. see what i want to see then aew came out mm-hmm. and i saw what tony khan was trying to do with aew that it's it's more wrestling oriented it do, do they do some cheesy stuff yes but not to the extent that the wwe was doing So, you know, I'm just like, my God, AEW is great. I love this. And even though they, you know, they struggled and they had some people on there, maybe they shouldn't have still uh, to me was a great step forward in bringing bringing that NWA type stuff Mm -hmm. back to the wrestling scene. And now you see with WWE and Triple H, hopefully still taking over that they have gotten more wrestling oriented and the two of them they're well well i don't think they're truly competing yet i think that wwe saw wow these people are really paying attention to aew what are we they doing that we're not Mm -hmm. and now they're trying to do it better than what aew does and i think it's it's made for some great content for everybody on Mm -hmm. both shows you know plus now you know ring of honors back with them uh they're finally getting footing there and you're seeing other promotions too you know you've got the you know you've got the nwa out there you've got mlw um impact i mean impact really i got to spend some time with those guys interviewed a few of their people when they were just here in las vegas and went to some of the shows and they have really turned that product around Mm -hmm. and it's it's just amazing when you look around. I mean, even the indie scene here in Las Vegas is incredible. You yeah. know, I do the work with Future Stars of Wrestling, which you know to me is the best one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, by a lot. Yeah. But there's but there's still a lot of other good products here too. Mm-hmm. But even even the uh, those shows have raised the bar for the independents. Yeah. Around too. I mean, it's fascinating to see what's happening in wrestling right now, and I'm just like, oh, there's great matches everywhere this is awesome yeah so yeah, yeah it's yeah i i'm i i just enjoy seeing people do it right mm-hmm. and uh and from the bottom up i think a lot of people are doing it right now and it's it's a, a pleasure for to be a wrestling fan today
1: well, there's a lot of debate surrounding WrestleMania Nine and whether or not it was done right. <laughs> oh, so I, I, I wanted to, I, I, I'm here's here's how I kind of wanted to do it. I'm, I'm gonna, we're going I want to talk a little bit about what the WWF was going through at that time, and then let's break down some matches. Sure, and and we'll we'll compare notes because I I finally for the first time in a very long time sat down and watched the event last week and top to bottom sat through the entire thing, which, I mean, some would say, why would you do that to yourself? I actually really kind of enjoyed it. I'm sad to say, but I mean, it, it was... WrestleMania nine, it was April fourth, nineteen ninety three, it was Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, the world's largest toga party. It was the first ever outdoor WrestleMania, sixteen thousand in attendance, which was a little rough because the year before was considerably a larger uh audience. Yeah. Um That was a really rough time for the WWF at that point. I mean, they were. um, It was just kind of after all the steroid allegations, and there was a lot of flux in talent, and attendance was down. It was that was a tough time for the WWF.
0: Yeah, it was, and you you saw at that time they had just managed to add some new talent in there too. They were, but they were they were shaky there for like around WrestleMania WrestleMania eight, nine was a little bit rough. Mm-hmm. They they pulled it together at 10, obviously. Yeah. This 10 was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they were still kind of trying to figure things out and, you know, which way do we want to go? Do we want to go a, a Bret Hart type way, a Shawn Michaels type way, or do we st- stay in the world of Hulkamania? And, you could tell that they honestly hadn't made up their minds at that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. Spoiler <laughs> yes. alert: because it was a, <laughs> WrestleMania Nine was weird. Yeah, um, you know the outdoor venue was good and bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously you you say Caesar's Palace, and and especially back thirty years ago. You know, you you know the fight capital of the world, and that's where a lot of the big fights happen at Caesar's Palace. You say that name, and you think big fight feel. Yeah, and so I think that was part of what they were going for on that. Um, it was funny when it, you know, when I went, went back and watched. I I didn't. I'll be honest, I didn't watch every minute, but when I did did watch, you know, you you, you kind of saw the setting, and it was, it it was okay. Yeah. Um. But you know, you're doing outdoors in Las Vegas and the one thing about doing outdoors events in Las Vegas is it gets windy here. Yes, especially that time of the and, year. Yeah. And you can you can kind of see it at points yeah. that the wind was just whipping through, you know, but the crowd was but the crowd was pretty hot. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't a huge crowd like you would expect at a WrestleMania today, but it was they were still pretty fired up, mm-hmm. which was which was good to see for the event. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was definitely an interesting setting for WrestleMania. And as you
1: say, it was a a weird time because they were in that weird state of flux where they, they were, they were bringing in, um, again, you had Shawn Michaels and you had Bret Hart at that event, but you also had Hulk Hogan, um, considerably smaller Hulk Hogan. Obviously this was post post steroid allegations. So you kind of wonder if maybe they were, Hey Hulkster you know, lay off the, the bodybuilding a little bit, just a touch. We want to make it not look so much like that. Maybe even if he was clean, it was like, "Mm," just maybe a little bit. Um, But yeah,
0: very different time for the WWF. Yeah. And it's funny. Like when you look down at this card, you can kind of see how they were trying to decide what they wanted to be. I mean, you, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you look at people on the card you still had Tito Santana, but Bob—I forgot Bob Backlund was on this card. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I actually went to North Dakota State, and Bob Backlund was a national champion wrestler in North Dakota oh, State okay, yeah. Division Two. So I'd like—I'd yeah. go into the wrestling room, and I'd see his name on the wall and everything. Yeah. But you—you know—you had him. You—you had—you know—guys like Ted DiBiase were on there. You had Luger Imperfect, Perfect. Even though Luger was doing his narcissist thing. Yeah. And then you got Bret Hart, you know, but then you've also got Papa Shango. Yeah, you got the Head Shrinkers, which yeah. you know, were a serious team, but still a you know real character, mm-hmm. you know, carrying on the Samoan line. Yeah, Crush, Yeah. Doink, uh, you know, Erwin R. Scheister. You took Mike Rotunda and you turned him into. The the tax man, the world's most dangerous accountant. Yeah, giant, <laughs> giant Gonzalez is on the card, and of yeah. course, the Undertaker is kind of the one that crosses the whole thing. Yeah, so it was a weird mix of serious, top flight technical wrestlers, and your ultimate cheese balls yeah. of WWE. So let's let's dive into the matches. So the first
1: match that that gets televised in the event is Tatanka and Shawn Michaels. This was a, a big event. Featured the WWF debut of Luna Vachon, mm-hmm. which I mean Luna was such a great character and was was such a. a, a a bizarre character to watch, but coming from such wrestling royalty. Um, she's there with Shawn Michaels as his his valet, Sensational Sherry, comes out ringside because she's got a feud with Shawn Michaels, but she's supporting Tatanka. 18 minutes the match ran. Tatanka gets it by count out, which was a little disappointing to see. Um but I mean, it was a really athletic match. There was lots of great high spots. It moved. It didn't feel like an eighteen-minute-long match. No, it did not. My my personal rating, I gave it a three out of five. Um, I took points away for the countout because I thought, yeah, it's a terrible way
0: to end a match and kind of boring. Yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know what they were thinking the whole night because there were a lot of inconclusive and weird finishes in this the whole yeah. WrestleMania. So that that kind of set the pace a little bit but I, I do agree with you I mean you know that was the peak of Tatanka you know mm-hmm. Chris Chavez I remember when he was wrestling in the NWA and it was really exciting when he came into WWE and they did the Tatanka thing and you know had the undefeated role and all that stuff yeah I mean it was a pretty solid match and it was it was interesting that the combination of of Luna Vashon and Shawn Michaels I mean Luna was not your typical WWE lady no no to say the least and uh you know i was i questioned that pairing a little bit mm-hmm. but you know it worked yeah uh you know for what they were trying to do uh yeah it was it was a good match i'm not going to call it a great one but it was it mm-hmm. was solid definitely i mean you know it's Shawn michaels so it can't be totally bad no <laughs> but but yeah the finish was a little disappointing
1: yeah um steiner brothers and the head shrinkers now here we go this now we're the, talking first wrestlemania for the steiners uh when i watched the uh, the telecast i noted JR's first use of the word slobber knocker on really? WWF television. I, I mean, I'm, not ass- I'm assuming so because this was his his commentary debut. And of course, slobber knocker kind of became a, a bit of a trademark phrase for him. It's going to be a knockdown, dragged out slobber knocker of a match. He drops it in. Bobby Heenan. Guy cracks me up, comes in. Ah, that's what they call the waitresses at the Tip Top Cafe in Tulsa. <laughs> Heenan kills yeah. me. Um, Steiner's pick it up by pinfall. I forgot how great the head shrinkers were to watch. Yeah. Such an amazing tag team to watch. Uh the Steiners incredibly athletic of course. I mean being their background and where they were. Um some great
0: reversals, lots of action. I gave it a 4 out of 5 on that. Yeah, that's I would put it there too. That was to me that might have been the match of the night to be honest with you. I and I was always a fan of that those the you know like the Samoan SWAT team and all those iterations of the the Samoan teams mm-hmm. and those guys and having offer of there really really helped them out a lot. It gave some legitimacy legitimacy to those guys and uh, you know you you had some amazing athleticism at that match. I mean and the Steiner's are the Steiner's. Yeah, you know I mean they're just they were so special to watch and yeah like i said i, th- I think it might have been the best match of the night mm-hmm. so yeah unfortunately i gotta say four ball but yeah still still a pretty good match yeah really good match next up
1: doink the clown oh god and crush mm. i'm not gonna lie i found this match fun to watch it was yeah it, it, there's there's Comedy. some there's some nostalgia there watching Doink doing the whole evil clown gimmick that whole thing um this was the match with the double doink. Yes. We had the ref bump. Uh, refs KO'd. Second doink comes out from underneath the, ra- <laughs> underneath the ring. <laughs> Feel bad for that guy hiding under the ring for as long as he had to. Hits crush with the loaded prosthetic arm. Knocks him out. Ref wakes up. Doink pins him. That's it. You're gonna hate me for this because I gave this match a five out of five. Wow! I, I thought it was just a fun match to watch. It's it, and, and I gave bonus points to the dude who had to hide under the ring both. You know, and I'm for remember, the entire
0: event, and I'm trying to remember who the other Doink was because there were about four or five. I mean, Matt Bourne was the the primary Doink. Yes, yeah. But I and I know like Steve Lombardi played him in a couple of guys. I'm trying, but I can't remember who the who the other <sighs> Doink was. No, I'm not sure. But it, it was it was Doinky. I you know it, for what it was. It was okay yeah you know i i guess see par, i guess part of me when matt bourne came to the wwf I, I had known about him in portland and i was like man i can't wait to see what they do with matt bourne and they turned him into a clown yeah you know and that's part of the serious wrestling wrestling fan of me saying yeah yeah that i was just never that big on on the whole doink thing in the first place so maybe my personal bias kind of puts it in the two to three-ish range for what it was it was okay next up razor
1: ramon the bad guy and bob Backlund. um first off r.i.p scott hall i mean scott hall this was peak razor ramon at this point i Mm. mean he's he's got the greasy hair he's got the toothpick he's giving glares to the fans he's coming out he's doing like Scott Hall it was such a sad ending for Scott Hall. Yeah. I mean, he had turned himself around and really seemed to be doing well. So, it's it's fun to watch his matches. I mean, he's he was such a great that Razor Ramon character was such a great character. Absolutely. And and so again to watch that, this was Backlund's first WrestleMania. Um this match though, this felt like a time filler. I mean, this yeah. was this was a 4-minute long match and just boring nothing happened i i i gave it a two out of five
0: yeah and i hate to say that about bob backland but it you know what what struck me and, and like i said i had forgotten about this match mm-hmm. that that backland was was on this card and I, I actually watched a couple promos that i found that were leading up to this and i'm just like this guy was the wwf champion for six years yeah, and it and it's not it's nothing against Bob. He's a great wrestler. I would love to talk to Bob Backlund. Yeah, but d- seeing the two of them in the ring together, man, it was just like a throwback to the the seventies days of wrestling to a more modern, exciting style. Yeah, and yeah, the match was. I mean, Bob got some good offense in. Yes, but it just wasn't. Uh, it wasn't there, and. You know, and it had a kind of a, and you know there was a roll up finish, and I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's that's nice. You would have thought the bad guy would have done something to to Howdy Doody that would have been really bad and made everybody upset. But one, and one thing that really struck me on this match too, by the way, was people were cheering for Razor. Yes, you know, it's like, man, boy, what happened to Bob Backlund? He was uh, Razor should have been the heel. In this
1: match, really, yeah, and it didn't and, happen. As you say, it was almost like it was a because Bob Backlund. It was like they sucked him out of the AWA in 1977 and stuck him in 1993 yeah. in this match with Razor. And as you say, it was just two a, a, a character versus a guy with no character. Maybe that's too harsh. I don't know. Well, <laughs> oh, Bob was <laughs> never known
0: for his great promos, but 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 the man could work. But, yeah, yeah. But this was. Yeah, it was, it was a little eh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you on your rating. Next up,
1: whew, this is a tough one. Oh. The Mega Maniacs, Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake, taking on Money, Inc., Ted DiBiase, and IRS, who were the tag champs. Now, this, this is a match that had a lot of backstory, and a lot of controversy, but not necessarily in-ring controversy. Um, the, the, of course, the, the biggest story of the match was Hulk Hogan's face. Yeah. Um, That's. Three, he, he comes out to the ring and it was shocking. This black eye that he had, it was
0: shocking to see his face when he made the entrance to the ring. So what do you believe on that story, by the way? <sighs> there's, so. there's two stories. That that two main stories that happened. Yeah, the one that Hogan told, the one that other people have have suggested. So, I mean, it, I tend to believe,
1: based on the stories that I've heard and and things that I've I've read, I tend to believe the story that he was punched out by Randy Savage. Okay, that's the story that I tend to believe. I think the jet ski story is is bullshit (laughs) i i really do because my understanding was that was right around the time randy and elizabeth were having some some marital issues liz took off and and went uh to hogan's place and stayed with with linda and hogan's family and nobody told randy randy found out and the story i heard was randy randy got pissed off and punched hogan right in the face that was the story that I have heard. And that's the story I tend to believe. You?
0: I'm a true Hulkamaniac. So I believe Hulk Hogan when he said he got hit with a jet ski. <laughs> and I'll just leave it there.
1: I, I just, and of course, <laughs> what what kind of sold it for me with the the, what sold it for me with the, The Randy Savage story to a degree was in watching this event and, and Savage is doing commentary for this, for this event as an aside. And he made a few little remarks through the commentary that just seemed to kind of fly under the radar that weren't really, that weren't commented on by either, either Heenan or, or, or Jr. And it was just kind of like, Oh, Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) that's, that's what sells it for me. Something went down. Yeah. Something went down, but yeah, but I, but I remember that too, because, you know, I mean, the one thing about the Hogan eye situation is when you think of Hulk Hogan, you know, he's the immortal superhero. Yeah. And he shows up at WrestleMania looking like someone smashed him on the side of a head with a shovel. Mm hmm. And you know, with the the extra striping of bandages and the eyes swollen half yeah. swollen shut yeah you know if you if you haven't seen it, it's you know it it kind of symbolized this wrestlemania actually <laughs> kinda, kinda kinda you know you gotta you got a Greek Adonis with a black eye, yeah you know? but um, yeah, it was it that was very odd to me to watch and yeah. and honestly i think I think it took away a little bit from everything that happened. That involved Hogan that night mm-hmm. to me. I mean, so well, and they spin it. They spun
1: it well on the show. Yeah, I mean, they 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 had DB and IRS do the promo saying, "Oh, we had we had Hogan got met by some, ran into some problems coming home from the gym last mm-hmm. night, and and so they spun it that he got." beating the snot out of him coming out of the gym afterwards or or as Heenan at one point said oh maybe he dropped a weight on his face or something yeah Mm. um as i said earlier hogan looked much less muscular in this particular event he had just come back it was february 93 that he had come back to wwf so it was just a few months before this um the match itself i mean there's a ref bump D.B. and IRS are both down. Jimmy Hart, I love the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Still one of my favorite characters. Great guy. WWF I've, all time. You ever met him? No, never had a chance to meet him. I have a great Jimmy Hart story. Do you want the Jimmy
0: Hart yeah, story? Yeah, hit me with it. So I was covering a poker event in Daytona Beach, and Jimmy was, I don't know if he was running the bar or the, the whole hotel, but he had a he had a, a bar down in, in this hotel in Daytona. And, I, you know, I'd heard about it. I'm like, oh, man, I got to go over and check this out. So I go over. and It's got all this memorabilia all over the place and just fantastic. And the guy who's running the bar at the time said, hey, you're coming back tonight. Like, what's going on tonight? Well, Jimmy's going to be here. We're watching Monday Night Raw. Like, I'm off tonight. I will see you later this evening. And I come back and I you know, got some photos with Jimmy and everything, and he and I actually sat together after we got to talking for a while. We sat together and watched an ep- that episode of Monday Night Raw, and what an amazing! I mean, I got to pick his brain a little bit. I was asking him questions and actually learned a little bit about show business from Jimmy Hart. It yeah. was, um it was an amazing experience for me. No I, doubt. Oh my God, that's a! I love that kind of stuff. He's when a great that guy kind of stuff too. Happens. Yeah, Never really. Didn't, you know, I, I hate. That I don't want to sound like I'm brown nosing everybody, but he, he a really, really nice, generous kind of dude, and uh, just had a blast get to watch wrestle with Jimmy
1: Hart. That's oh, so cool. That's a, for me as a Canadian, that would be like watching a hockey game with Wayne Gretzky.
0: Yeah, like really. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was something else. Absolutely.
1: Jimmy tried but, to be generous in this match. Flips his jacket around. Yeah, it's striped like a ref. Uh, a, a ref shirt. Cause why wouldn't it be sure? Uh, yeah. Cause you wear that around all the time. Exactly. He, he, he tries to three count both members of, of money Inc. Of course it doesn't count. Uh, money Inc wins by a disqualification. I gave the match a three out of five. Now it was not a good match. No, I mean, it really was I a, a it, bad but. match, but lots of nostalgia in this match. And the crowd was popping like crazy for this match. I yeah. Mean, yeah. It's Hogan. Of course they're popping.
0: I, when I remember when this match got announced, I was like, "Oh, you know, even though I wasn't the biggest Bruce Bukak fan, I'm like, this is gonna be cool. Hogan's gonna win tag titles tonight. He's gonna win a tag team title. Yeah, man, I can't wait for this. And he's wrestling Mike Rotunda. He's wrestling Ted DiBiase. This is gonna be a blast. And honestly, I thought the match sucked. Yeah." I was so disappointed, you know, the, the bad finish, you know, and just, you know, and you get a, it's a DQ and not only that they get a DQ finish, but you, Hogan and Beefcake lost and I'm like, no, 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 this is not right. So I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the two range on this as much as I hate to say it. Yeah. I was, I was. And maybe that's just being a crushed Hulkamaniac. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Next up to the ring, uh, Lex Luger and Mister Perfect. I mean, this was Luger's first WrestleMania. He's still wrestling as uh, as the narcissist yeah. at this point. Um, shortly after his debut in in WWF. This was a good match. There was a lot of good technical wrestling to start. Then it kind of just turns into an all-out wrestling match, which was fun. Um, Luger wins it by pinfall, uh, even though Perfect's feet are on the ropes. He still gets the count. Ref misses that. Spills out into the backstage afterwards. Perfect and Luger get into it backstage. Shawn Michaels gets involved. I gave this one a three out of five. I mean, considering who was in this match, it was a okay match, if that makes sense it wasn't a great match you two really good wrestlers i thought and two good personalities but it wasn't
0: awesome it showed still a little bit of people forget that lex was still somewhat green at this time mm-hmm. i mean he'd been around for a while but not that long and when you're getting in the ring with with kurt you know you you better be really really good um I was a little, I mean, the finish to me was pretty poor Mm -hmm. um, just because both of, I mean, if if you haven't seen a Kurt's feet, Lex has him rolled up and Kurt. both of Kurt's feet are curled up, draped over the rope. And somehow the ref doesn't see it. And Jim Ross, I think Jim Ross yelled, the ref didn't see it. I'm like, (laughs) my grandmother saw it. That person that's up there by the fireworks up at Caesar's Palace in the top row saw it. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. But you know, but but otherwise it was a decent match. So I'm, yeah. I'm i I would never give Kurt Henning a, a two star match, so I'll give him a three. <laughs> Next up.
2: Oh.
1: <gasps> Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez. Yeah. Gonzalez is a monster. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's no denying this. He's built at eight feet tall and 460 pounds, and he looks every inch of that eight feet tall. He was a good uh,
0: basketball player.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he was an amazing basketball player. That doesn't necessarily translate into good wrestler, and that is obviously on display in this match where he's wearing the full spandex bodysuit with the airbrushed muscles and an airbrushed fur,
0: I guess. I... <laughs> I, I think so there was fur confused. attached i i think there was fur attached to parts of that thing there was some airbrush and some 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 <laughs> some uh rubber cement going on there i don't know undertaker
1: coolest entrance of the night for this event i mean he always That'll has cool entrances yeah. but i mean he comes out he's got it's the green smoke and he's on the funeral chariot with the big vulture on the perch looked incredible um Gonzalez, for being who he was, obviously, as you know, not a good worker by any means, Undertaker really tried to make him look good in this match. He tried, really tried,
0: he tried, really tried, <laughs> he tried, It's really, really, really tried. Unfortunately,
1: um, Taker, he well, Taker with this match, he um, he wins by disqualification after. He gets taken out by a chloroform soaked rag, which is made blatantly obvious by the commentators who I'm guessing were directed to um, say it's a chloroform soaked rag about 9000 times so that people would understand why there was a
0: rag going (laughs) over Taker's face. This, this, There had to be some mystical powers that should have been able to counteract that. Wouldn't you have thought? It's a chloroform soaked rag. I can smell the chloroform. <laughs> they can all smell
1: the chloroform from 15 feet away. That's a lot of chloroform. Everyone in the whole front row should be going down at that point. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, this was terrible. It, it, I, I gave it a two out of five, and the only reason I gave it two out of five was for Taker's cool entrance. Um, otherwise, this was the longest seven and a half minutes of my life it's
0: unfortunately known as one of the worst WrestleMania matches of all time. And, you know, I, I, I felt bad for Gonzalez because I remember he, he had actually, if I remember correctly, he'd actually started in, um, in the NWA and in, in, in mid Atlantic and, you know, with the WCW guys and stuff. And, and then went to WWE. And when I heard he was going, there, was like, Oh, this will be interesting. You know, mm. see what WWE can do with this, this giant in the land of giants. And he had, the suit and i'm just like what in the blue hell is this and and he just wasn't a good worker either and you you take that combination and it just was a recipe for disaster and i felt bad for the guy i really did Mm -hmm. and you know here's his wrestlemania moment with the undertaker and it just didn't go i'll 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 go with star and a half for you Ooh, because knowledge. of the, because of the entrance you know and it's the undertaker but it just it it is it has gone down in history unfortunately as one of the worst debacles in in WrestleMania history so
1: especially i mean taker was one of those guys or is one of those guys you could throw him in the ring with a with a broom yeah and and he'd make the broom look good mm-hmm. so for him to not really be able to make giant Gonzalez look good is is saying something about about the ability
0: yeah it just you know it's it's one of those things where you have a a tall a really tall athlete from another sport that just wasn't didn't have the the physical skills to to be a wrestler
1: after the break it's the main event mark and i take a deep dive into the final match of wrestlemania 9 including the politics and controversy surrounding the finish that's next on Jeff Does Vegas. We're on to the main event now. Yes. This is the uh, the main event for the uh, WWF Championship. Brett the Hitman Hart, my boy, the champ, taking on Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji in his corner as the challenger. This, this is another match that had... A lot of controversy and a lot of backstory to it. But we'll get to that in a, in a second here. Um, two very different styles in this match. Obviously, you've got Bret Hart, who is an incredible technical wrestler. I mean, just absolutely amazing. As, as they've said, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Um, taking on Yokozuna, who is a sumo wrestler, smash style with Yokozuna. But they managed... To mesh those two styles
0: incredibly for this match, they did i mean this was this was a, a terrific match um you know it still didn't quite hold I think just because of how it wrapped up, I don't think it held up like the the tag match mm-hmm. um you know with the signers and and the head shrinkers, but it was still really a, a pretty amazing match and you know one thing about Brett is you know that guy could make a great match with anybody and Yokozuna uh you know was still you know uh, you know he put on more weight as he went along but he was still at the point where he was physically able to do a lot of things in the ring mm-hmm. that a guy that size shouldn't be able to do yeah and i think with the hearts especially if you think about about yokozuna and just the respect that i think that the heart family had for him you know not only did we go through this whole feud with with bread off and on but then you know teaming with Owen Hart and making that work later on down the road too Mm -hmm. i mean that's phenomenal that's really saying something about yokozuna and uh you know and and he showed it in this match uh you know once again another really good lineage Mm -hmm. there with him too and yeah this this was a blast until the end but uh but otherwise it was fun
1: brett gets the sharpshooter onto yokozuna you think that's gonna be it nope mr Fuji. It's Brett with a handful of the sumo salt. He's
0: such a little jerk.
1: Yokozuna pins Bret Hart for the win and the belt. That's that. Yokozuna is the new champ. Again, this was a fun match to watch. I I I really enjoyed watching this match. I gave it a five out of five. It was a legit five out of five in my opinion. I thought it was a great match. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still in the forges
0: because I didn't like the ending, but yeah. but overall it was it was a pretty good match. I'm a little tough on giving five stars. Apparently. Unlike unlike Dave Meltzer. You know, <laughs> who just says, Well, this was really gonna give it a seven. Yeah. But uh yeah, but it but it was a it was a pretty a, a really good match. And uh, you know, you give credit to Brad and Yokozuna for putting on a terrific show mm-hmm. and just you know, just wish wish the way things wrapped up at the end. It it it's still very controversial. Well and we're gonna get into it, I'm sure, but uh yeah. that was you know, I just, I just didn't like the whole salt and, you know, and and the, and this is what really drove me nuts at the end of it was it took Fuji forever to get that salt out and throw it. Yes. That was the one thing that really bugged me about it because when I, especially when I went back and watched it, I'm like, yeah, that should have been ready. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of dug around for a while and then, woof, and and once again, Dave Hebner, and I think Hebner was, was Hebner the ref in that match? Or I was think Morello? so. I think it was Hebner, um, yeah. You know, was was in a position where he should have seen that. Mm -hmm. And I hate that. Yeah. I I hate, you know, when there's a big cloud coming up, you know, and the guy's face is covered in white stuff. And you're just like, oh, hey, all right, girl, the front row is looking pretty good. Hey, can I get a bear? Come on.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. So it got weird after the match. Uh, (laughs) Weird is like, I don't know. I think weird is the understatement of the year on this one. So before this match happened there was a promo there was an interview mean gene hulk hogan which i thought was very weird when i'm watching i'm like oh a hulk hogan promo prior to a, a Bret hart Yokozuta championship match okay hogan issues the challenge during the promo and says i'll i'll take on whoever the winner is in this match okay that's a little bit of weird foreshadowing so of course after the match hogan comes out to help brett he's comforting brett Mr. Fuji gets on the mic, which bless Mr. Fuji's heart. But this was not good on the mic. It was it was tough. Yeah. Um, challenges Hogan to a title match right here, right now. Hogan, of course, looks to to Brett. Is this okay? It's okay, brother. Can I? Are you cool with this? Brett's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Go, go, do it. Of course, he's saying, go, go, do it. Um, Yokozuna gets him from behind. He's got him kind of all tied up. Fuji tries to hit Hogan with the salt. Nope. Hogan ducks it. Of course he does. Yokozuna, he's blinded by the salt. Hogan hits him with the clothesline, the big boot, the leg drop. Good w- game. Good game. Hogan by pinfall. New champ. Uh, zero out of five from me for this. <laughs> <laughs> garbage. Absolute oh. garbage, in my opinion.
0: Trash. The worst thing I've ever seen. Wow, a zero. I give it a one-ish. Yeah. Because... <laughs> I the here I, I will say what I liked about it was Hogan, with, you know, when Hogan came out, you know, he's he's actually over top of Brett a couple times in the ring. He's helping him out, and Fuji's screaming at him, you know, and, and Hogan's still taking him out of the ring, you know, walking away, and then all of a sudden he says, "I challenge you for the title." And and the one thing that I did like was Hogan was ignoring him and taking care of Brett for a while. So that that seemed okay. But I can only because you know there's there's a lot of backstory behind that, supposedly, mm-hmm. with between Hogan and Hart and Hogan not wanting to, to wrestle Brett. And I I I even remember when I watched this that if I was saying I I love Hulk Hogan, it's great, but if I was Bret Hart I'd be like, What the hell are you doing? No. Yeah don't do that. Yeah. I'm not going to say go in the ring. Yeah. You know, I want to get my title back. Yeah. So it was, but, but I thought, I, I actually thought Hogan played that fairly well. Mm. Um, you know, given what he was asked to do, mm-hmm. you know, I thought Brett played it okay too. I mean, the, the actual match was, yeah, okay. You know, you kind of saw it coming a mile away. Yeah. And, and Fuji was an idiot. So, yeah. yeah. So once again, I hate managers that are idiots. So, you know so it, it's in the one and a half ish range but but I will say that at the end the crowd went nuts yes and yeah. it, and it, it gave the one thing that it did do was it gave everybody something to be happy about when they went home because when you take a look at the, the whole picture of the card you know you had you had Santana Shaco pinfall match well you had a you had a Shawn Michaels held his title on a you know, on the uh, uh, the countout. Uh, What else do we have? We we had a Doink the Clown match. We had a a match with Backlund and Razor. You had a a DQ loss for Hogan and and Beefcake. A bad match with Undertaker and Gonzalez. You had a controversial finish with Luger and Perfect. So if you take that, if I would have gone, and then you would have had Brett losing this thing Mm -hmm. at the end, If if everybody wouldn't have gone home saying, ugh, yeah. yeah yeah this this was not satisfying <laughs> right. fun it's like drinking a bush beer yeah right um <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. canadian I'm- you drink labats and molson i'm sure i, I so, do yeah yeah, yeah so, so i you get, know what, you, what, I get I'm what you're talking saying. about yes i get what you're like saying like a coors light so the finish so what they did at least if they were going to make this move with getting the belt to Hogan some way or getting it off Brett at least it gave everybody something to be excited about and if you watch the crowd they did really pop at the end of yes. this thing yeah. so it, 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 at, it at least gave everybody something to cheer about when they went home plus then you're kind of wondering well now what's going to happen now mm-hmm. Brett just lost the title but Hogan got it How's this all going to work? Yeah. So in in the whole picture of it, it actually worked a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, just in but if you if you just take it in the, you know, this little segment. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it looks really bad, but I think in the picture of the card and then where they went it actually did work a little bit. All right, I'm going to up my rating to a half star. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'll take away my zero. I'll okay. up it to a half star just just simply for for that. Okay. I, I just, it was the politics of the whole thing and, and the stories. And, and again, there's so many stories and everything that floats around you. I, I love Bret Hart, but I feel like sometimes you got to take some of his stories with a grain of salt. There's so many different versions of every story floating around. And I mean, he he told a, a version of the story in his book that, you know, he got into Vegas and he got called to Vince's suite and he got told this was what was going to happen. And, and, you know, you're going to, we're going to do this, but don't, don't worry, man, we'll get the belt back on you. No time. It's just, this is going to be temporary thing just so we can do this whole, um, you know, get, get Hogan out. He's Hogan's on his way out anyways. So it's a farewell tour. I don't know. It just, it felt so political and it felt, it felt like it was just that whole thing of, is, (laughs) is it Bret Hart getting
0: screwed early? Ahead of the Montreal screw job, you know yeah, I mean? it, and you know it, I think, and once again, you know, we kind of talked about the WWE being in in flux at that time. and Brett was not typically the kind of guy that Vince wanted as champion. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about and, and actually I, I just pulled this list up because I was I was curious to see it because I, I had to remind myself what happened right after that. But you're talking, you know, the recent champions right around that era, Hogan, you know, Andre the Giant won the the belt uh, for a brief amount of time, Savage, Ultimate Warrior, Sarge, Undertaker, and then Flair, mostly bigger guys, big, big personalities, Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden, you get Bret Hart into this mix, Mm -hmm. and everybody loves Bret, but Bret is not... The, the cartoony, over-the-top superhero, supervillain kind of guy. Right. So Vince didn't, I don't think Vince really ever knew what to do with Brett. Yeah. You know, you'd see conflicting numbers about TV ratings, but, you know, merch sold and people popped for him and they loved him. But to I, I always felt like to Vince there was just something that he just didn't feel right with brett on top mm-hmm. you know so this these are the kind of things that that would happen to him you know i mean you you know it, it's funny and i'm just looking here right now because then when Yokozuna won the belt back then brett won it at wrestlemania 10 yeah even though he took the loss to owen that night too which was just yeah you know, that, that was an incredible match but then all of a sudden bob Backlund, they they do that feud with Backlund. yeah and Brett's out again yeah, and then diesel gets the title and sitting on the title forever. So it was a really interesting time with WWE trying to figure out what direction they wanted to take. Mm -hmm. And, and it showed, you know, sometimes in the ratings and everything else and kind of laid the pathway for what ended up happening with the Monday night wars. So, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty, you know, it's kind of where it all started to be honest with you. And kind of laid the pathway for the career of Brett,
1: unfortunately, because I mean, really not knowing what to do with him kind of, sadly ended up being his legacy when he went over to WCW. And I mean, the, again, taking it with a grain of salt and the stories that you hear in documentaries and from different people and, and different other wrestling podcasts that I've listened to. And, and they've said, you know, yeah, Brett, we, we told Brett, don't go to WCW because they won't know what to do with you over there. And that really kind of, to a certain degree was the case. They never really I, did know what to do with him over there.
0: And I, you know, and I, and I saw a couple documentaries about that, obviously too. And it's, it's really interesting with Brett that you know they they put a great offer on the table for him, and it was a lot of money, hard to pass up mm-hmm. and to a point, you can't blame him because he knew it was probably gonna secure him for life, yeah, getting that contract, you know, but at the same time i was I was really surprised he went because he just didn't seem like he would be a WCW guy. Mm -hmm. But I think he also felt like, well, if Vince can't decide what to do and, and, and you know, Brett's legacy is so interesting. And I know we're getting a little off topic of WrestleMania, but Brett's Brett's legacy is so interesting when you think about it, because he, to me was always the tweener. Mm -hmm. You know, he, people loved him, but he wasn't the superhero. Mm -hmm. He was a great wrestler, but he wasn't that guy that you would think is going to go in and, somebody into the ground or anything like that. Yeah, he was he was a true technician in the ring, and sometimes those guys are really really hard to book. Mm-hmm. And and even with Brett's personality, sometimes you you would you'd see him do when he's doing a babyface promo. You just felt like you know, even though he's a good guy, you felt like there was just this mean part mm-hmm. of him. You yeah, know, that was just waiting to come out. Mm-hmm. And him being him being a babyface sometimes just didn't seem to fit him real well mm-hmm. so it was, it was a it was a weird he he's one of the most interesting figures in pro wrestling history cuz like i said you kind of you put a venn diagram up and brett's kind of right in the middle of it right you know what i mean yeah so it, it doesn't surprise me in an era where you know the the cartoon heroes were lean still lean the way in in the wwf that that brett kind of got put between two bricks
1: again it, it really fascinating trajectory on his his career and where where he went with things and and yeah i mean that whole again the move to wcw he was going into wcw kind of right at around the same time where wcw was blowing up with those those bigger guys in the nwo and you had your your you had those guys that again brett was kind of like well he's not the big giant squash monster and he's going in in an era when maybe that again they just d- didn't know what to do with them in yeah, that case. Yeah,
0: and Brett doesn't have that over the top personality that when you were going in, in WCW when everything was happening, all those guys, yeah, all of them that that did anything were completely over the top. Even guys, you know, a guy like Chris Jericho who's just getting rolling, yeah, still a really over the top personality. Yeah, and. It just didn't seem to me like he was going to be a really good fit there, you know. And and unfortunately, you know, the, the debut was really bad. And of course, we all know what happened with with Goldberg, and, yeah. and so on. But you know, he's you know, you, and you think about you know, you start thinking about these guys' legacies after after this WrestleMania. You know, it was kind of the end of Hulkamania, and you got Randy Savage sitting on the sidelines because Hogan or Vince didn't think he had it anymore. Yeah. You know, which when we we look back at, you know, it was ludicrous.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and you see the, you, know, you think about them when where Lex Luger ended up. Mm-hmm. You know, he he ended up getting buried. Yeah. Um, you know, just it was, it was, it was this WrestleMania actually set up a lot of, a lot of really bad things, some good things that happened, especially you know, like a WrestleMania ten. Mm-hmm. But for the future, the next couple of years of WWE, it really showed some bad booking mistakes and some bad decisions that got made mm-hmm. by WWE, whether intentional or not. It yes. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's, it, you know, I, I, I hadn't really thought about it this way with WrestleMania nine, but yeah, it was, it was a definite transition period for sure. For me. I mean, the high points
1: of this show, Bobby Heenan's color commentary. I mean, the weasel was legendary. Bobby's he, awesome. He, I, I miss him. He, he his, his commentary I, I laugh. I go back and I watch some of those old events and I watch some of his old commentary and some of it, I, I laugh at, at, (laughs) I mean, he's saying stuff that you couldn't get away with saying on TV now, which made me laugh even more Mm. because it was inappropriate humor. And, and I just thought like, man, this is, he was so great. And again, he was, he was just an excellent commentator and he was so fast and he was so quick and just so much fun to, to, to listen to. And and him and Savage playing off of each other, um, at this event as well. Randy Savage. I mean, a lot of people don't think of him and, and the the time that he spent working as a commentator because, as you say, Vince didn't think he had it in the ring anymore, so he shuffled him off to do the commentary. And but I mean, he was good at it as well. That it was it was fun to watch and fun to listen to.
0: Yeah, they they had a pretty interesting chemistry and you know then you have Jim Ross in there getting to play the straight man with those guys I couldn't imagine what that was like (laughs) right but you know Bobby always had that incredible wit and just and he understood the business so well and he was willing to do anything it took to get whomever over to make the moment just a little bit better and you could and and one thing about Bobby too is people forget he was a pretty good wrestler. Yeah, when, you know a lot of time in the AWA with Nick Bockwinkle and and you know some of the other guys over there. Bobby always was willing to make that sacrifice, but he also knew when to turn up that heat and make that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you think about a moment like the Piper's Pit with Andre and Hogan, mm-hmm. you know, which we just saw on the um, the Rivals show that just aired. Bobby always just knew when to add that one little thing in, yeah, you know, make that one little comment that just took it to another place mm-hmm. and and Randy would just you know when he was doing commentary, it was a was a funny guy and mm-hmm. and he would be able to find that one little spot where you know you'd just be like, "Oh, was that a jab or what what did he just say, <laughs> oh, okay, that was good too, yeah, you know, so it, yeah, the commentary they underrated with randy and and i and obviously had jr there too and jr's I'm still kind of find his place a little bit but yeah you know but they were but they were pretty good
1: you mentioned heenan being willing to do anything to make the show and i mean this was a great <laughs> example on this i mean randy comes in riding the sedan with the beautiful ladies and they're feeding him grapes and throwing rose petals meanwhile heenan comes in wearing a toga riding backwards on a camel i mean again the just that extra that extra distance he was willing to go to make the show work yeah and he didn't have
0: to ride that thing backwards no no he didn't he which, could have still yeah. been funny going forward yeah. but you know bobby did that and yeah yeah it was you know that that whole opening segment of of wrestlemania 9 you know obviously way 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 over the top like mm. like stratosphere over the top but still you know those guys kind of brought it back to wrestling yeah I was I was like, oh, here's Cleopatra and Julius Caesar coming yeah. out. I'm like, who gives a damn? <laughs> right? Yeah. Really? Come yeah. on. Yeah. So then they come out and yeah, okay, we're back to normal here. Uh the big
1: question for this uh for this event, uh who had the best mullet? Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, or Crush?
0: Oh, Crush still had the best mullet.
1: Yeah. I think so. I think Crush definitely had the best mullet. I I'm putting that up as a Twitter poll on my Twitter. Okay. who had the best mullet. I I would say Crush was number one, with Shawn Michaels a very close number two in this
0: era. See, I I I never looked at Shawn as having a mullet. I just thought that was Rebel long hair. Crush was a mullet. <laughs> that was I grew up in the eighties. That was a mullet. No no question about it. And, yeah. and Razors was you know the slick back hair and all that. Man, it, it's still hard to believe that guy was was Big Scott Hall in the AWA. Yeah. He looked like the Marlboro man. Like if you would have taken him and Magnum TA and made them a team, yeah. Dear Lord, they've been selling cigarettes for twenty more years. (laughs)
1: Um, Overall, I mean, again, you know, this it's this is often called the worst WrestleMania of all time. But I, even if that's the case, I still found it entertaining. Overall, with the whole show, I'd probably give it a three out of five.
0: Yeah, I, I'm still in the I'm still overall in the two range on it because cause it just wasn't. Uh, I mean, in the moment, like I said, there was some there was some good points, but just there were so many unsatisfying finishes to matches, mm-hmm. and you know that's you, you wouldn't see that in a WrestleMania today. No, There's no, no way that you know all the count the count outs the DQs and everything else just would never happen um you know and the venue was a little shaky mm-hmm. just yeah there was just there were so many flaws on this on this wrestlemania and unfortunately it's kind of why it went to the dustbin a little bit and you know especially then you came back with wrestlemania 10 and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. whoo <laughs> fix that stuff up and in a hurry didn't they um Mark, I appreciate this
1: so much. This has been so much fun to sit and relive this with you. I, I, I'm, I'm glad we were able to get this happening. Once again, people want to find you online. They want to find the podcast and follow you on social media. How do they do that?
0: Well, uh, you can go to MarkHokeShow.com. That's where we post everything going on with the show. Uh, so, you know, with our some of our great sponsors and everything. So you want to check that out. Twitter is at Mark Hoke Show. That's H-O-K-E Show. Uh, the Facebook is The Mark Hoke Show. That's pretty simple. YouTube channel is The Mark Hoke Show. Kind of got a trend there going. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to find the podcast, uh, MarkHokeShow.Podbean.com. And, of course, it's out on all your favorite podcast outlets pretty much, so you can find it wherever's. And if you want to listen live, uh, we're on KDWN 101.5 FM here in Las Vegas, and it is available worldwide live on the Odyssey app, Aud. ACY, but just, just search me out and you'll be okay, I promise. Excellent, Mark. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. This is a blast.
1: And that wraps up another episode of Jeff Does Vegas. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas, Or drop me an email directly at jeff at jeffdoesvegas.com.